Good afternoon, or evening, depending. Good to have you with us. My name is John Libertor, and this is Catholic Ad Lib. And today, we are truly honored to have a very special guest with us. We have Father Dan Bowen. Father Dan, thank yes. you for being with us. Thanks, John. Very, It's an honor and a privilege to be here with you today. <laughs> well, I, I am honored. Thank you very much. Uh, I asked Father Dan to spend a little time with us and uh, we actually are going to, we'll be focused, but we're actually going to cover a, a, a spectrum of topics. And uh, before we get into anything, let me explain uh, how I met Father Dan. Uh, roughly, I'll say three months ago, I could be off a little bit. Roughly, might be a little bit longer. Okay, six months ago. Probably six. Six, six months ago. Something there. Uh, we, we worked a retreat together, and... Uh, we we became good friends. Uh, we prayed together, uh, spent a lot of time in, in quiet prayer, and uh, you ha you can't help but get to know people. And I will tell you that Father Dan impressed me for a lot of reasons: his his exuberance, his passion for the faith. But more than that, and I've not said this to him, more than that is his quiet confidence his quiet confidence really really impressed me and i'm envious i am you you have you, you you're knowledgeable you're a historian and you're quick to and we just shared a meal and he was educating us throughout <laughs> he almost didn't finish his meal um, <laughs> but but uh he's he's quick to share and he has a lot of passion for the faith and and what he does and why he does it so uh but it's his quiet confidence that in my mind really sets him apart so uh we're gonna we're gonna touch upon some things so let's just start with the basics yeah where are you from what do you do and how did you get into this gig okay well uh right now i presently live in cleveland ohio um, but I'm originally from Mayfield Heights, Ohio. It's a, a suburb on the east side of, of Cleveland, Ohio. Cleveland, Ohio, for those who don't know, is uh, a city up on, in, we, we would say the Midwest, but really it's, we, the people from that area, we don't consider us Midwest people. We, we, we think, call ourselves from the north, the north right, coast. The north coast, so just under Lake really Erie. But, but the city of Cleveland has this giant river that runs right through the middle of it called the Cuyahoga River. It's a Native American term for crooked river. And so people usually designate themselves as whether they live on the east side or the west side of this, of this crooked river. And so... Uh, uh, and then, of course, you know, whenever you encounter somebody from Akron, they're like, get over that east side, west side thing. <laughs> Greater Cleveland. But, uh, yeah, from Mayfield Heights is a suburb, so probably about 14 miles from, from downtown Cleveland, or, or where I, which I live, not right downtown, but very, very close there now on the near west side at a, a parish of Our Lady of Mount Carmel. And um, I am part of an order, a religious order, a Catholic order. Uh, community of consecrated men known as the Mercedarian Friars or the full formal name the Order of the Blessed Virgin Mary of Mercy and we were originally founded in 1218 to redeem Christians held captive of the Spanish Muslims and so our charism particularly is to setting captives free wherever we find ourselves and if we find ourselves in a Paris setting like like I do here in Cleveland what is the captivity holding the people and what can we do looking to do all that we can 
in order to keep them from that. So you know. can I insert? Sure, yeah, absolutely. When people hear captivity, they may think hmm, bondage, uh, chains, etc. It's another name for sin. Am I right? Well, that's the thing of it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. certainly it can it, it can be a physical, sure. you know, and there's human sure. trafficking. There are real captivities out there. But any form of sin, anytime that we don't choose God and his holy will, we actually, in a sense, uh, put ourselves in a place of captivity. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. we may not think of it that in a way. We think it's liberating to do those things, but actually it, it actually has the opposite effect. Yep. So you had you were a normal guy for a long time. I, you, you don't. You didn't. You didn't I don't know if that if that ever was the case. <laughs> <laughs> Depends right, who you ask. Right. But uh, yeah, you know, but I you had a career. I did, in fact. Yeah. Touch I on that, if you would, please. Yeah. Before entering into the Mercedarians, and uh, when I be, and I began in 2006 to enter into the formation, um, I worked my main career for nine years with Progressive Auto Insurance, and I was a we claims have, adjuster. We have that in common. You know, and uh, you know, Progressive Insurance. That's right. That's right. And that's pre-flow, you know, before the flow campaign that she didn't exist. Well, well before flow. Yeah, well, well before. Sure. You know. Sure. So you, you worked there for how many years? Nine years in total. By yeah. the way, I worked at Progressive for nine years total. Hey, look at that, right? How about that? How you, about that? Even Not only are we good and, looking and worked at Progressive, we both worked there for nine years. Right. And it was a good opportunity in a sense of, sure. you know, um, a lot of people in the area worked there at the headquarters of Progressive is, uh, in Cleveland, Ohio, um, you know, made good friends. You know, it was a good career. And, um, you know, I, especially as I worked uh, for six of the nine years in the claims arena, helping to service as a claims representative or claims adjuster, um, I liked that sense of serving and helping others, you know, in a way. You know, even people that, you know, and nobody wants to be in an auto accident course, or, or motorcycle or whatever. And, you know, to handle the claim, in a sense, it's a way of helping people out of a situation they don't want to be in. So it's already like as if God was kind of preparing me kind of for that situation in another way. But sure. I think my kind of my, my standing joke, and if you've heard it before, I apologize. But, you know, so I went to, from insurance to blessed assurance, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and God calling me. To uh, to leave uh, my career and my home and you know my so so I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you to yeah. to, to take a minute to, to to tell us about where you were spiritually if at all yeah. during your tenure at at Progressive and then and then what what was the trigger if there was a trigger or an event that caused you to to feel uh, you might be being called in a totally different direction yeah yeah. So when I began working at uh, Progressive, uh, I was Catholic. I'm a convert to the faith. That's a whole other story. Uh, but uh, I started working for Progressive, I think, three years after I became and when did, a Catholic. And when did you convert to Catholicism? Uh, the actual year would be 1994. You were, okay, and you so, were an adult. Uh, uh, right, and it yep. was through, I went through RCIA, which is now being named, renamed OCIA. But it's, uh, RCI is the right of the Christian initiation for adults. So I studied with a priest in a little group for a number of months. And then once it was felt confident that this is what uh, I believed God was asking of me, then went forward into uh, following the different rituals and different ceremonies that led ultimately to on the Easter Vigil Mass, to being baptized, 
confirmed and receiving First Holy Eucharist. All in one. Becoming a Catholic. Yeah, absolutely yeah. right. And that was in 1994. 1994. That's right. Okay. And then Progressive ended up working. I uh, started working for them in 1997. Oh, um, okay. And um, so, and I would say for probably the first six years, um, I was kind of maybe an average Catholic, um, nothing particularly extraordinary, you know, per se. Let me ask you specifically, would you go to Mass every Sunday? Not, not, no. Not no. No, no I would <laughs> no. not. I would right. not. So in that regard, you were like, you were average. Yeah, okay. average. So maybe I'm there for Christmas it, and Easter people. or, you know, yeah. uh, you know, my friend or, you know, whatever. That's kind of where I was at with the faith. So I, I joined the faith. Practiced for a bit, um, but then kind of fell away from it. It, it often happens. Mm -hmm. You know, you sure. eat one thing, and then next thing you know, uh, you miss sure. one Sunday, then two, then three, four, and you're uh, whatever. So you were you were kind of oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. humming along at a, at a certain pace, yeah. and then what? Right. What happened? Yeah, yeah. So I, I had been, uh, you know... Uh, whether I was aware of it or not, and I was morally not aware of it, you know, in a sense of just kind of, as I've kind of was turning from my faith, I was involving myself more in my work and getting things things done, of course, and and all these different things, you know, with the idea of the world often as is that, you know, if you get a good job, make the money, you can buy what you want, and you'll be happy. And so I started to try to really embrace in that philosophy, like live it out and actualize it. So I was making decent money, and I'd buy... You know, if I just buy that right there, that's that's going to make me happy. So I I buy that right there, and I'd be happy for like I don't know half a second, you know. <laughs> that long. And then there'll be something else. Oh, that. Okay, well, and I buy that. So I end up just with all this stuff, and in debt, I might add. Okay, because you know, you get these things called credit cards. They give them to you when you're in college, <laughs> and I start buying. Of you know, I'll tell you how bad it got, John. Okay. I bought a car with a credit card. <laughs> You're crazy. <laughs> but that's where I was with stuff. But, it, you know, so I found myself, you know, and so I have to keep working, obviously, to keep, you know, pay for these things. But with all this stuff, but totally unhappy. Mm -hmm. You know, that's kind of where I was. So, so and faith-wise, I was really, it was not something, like if I was tuning in the radio and I just happened upon a station that maybe was mentioning Jesus, I immediately turned that station away. Wow. Yeah, that's kind of, wow. you know... So, Where I was at. So, you are, you're, you're into consumerism at this point. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yes. Right, right. When you say that you would, you know, you would you would seek happiness in things. Yes. Right? And, and a lot of us do that. Yeah. Okay. It's just the, the way of the world. What caused you to understand that, these things are giving me, as you said, a half a second of pleasure. Yeah. I mean, something had to be inside of you or the intellect was working for you to yeah. admit or acknowledge, eh, I, here I go again. Can you, yeah. can you, can you speak to what, what was going on inside of you? Maybe there was a little bit of a conscience well, the, thing or... I, you know, I came to the point of with all this stuff that it was not, it was not getting me where I wanted to go, right? Real fulfillment or a happiness in a sense, you know, and, and I, you know, again, of course, also wanting to have a relationship. I wasn't uh, married, didn't have kids, so I was dating in that. But in a lot of cases, they was, I was objectifying even that, these relationships with the people. Mm -hmm. But, um, 
I was really very empty and alone. I had all these things, all these promises that the world tells you that consumers and materials will friends. have you. And I had friends, sure, and we'd sure. go out and we'd hang out and do things and this and that, but nothing that was really lasting. But uh, I had a, a, another, uh, what, the, what, how it all kind of really came about is a friend of mine that I would meet periodically. Um, I, we'd meet regularly and have coffee or whatever, conversation, and just talk about our lives and stuff, that mm -hmm. good kind of thing. And, uh, you know, I'd, she'd, she'd finally gotten the man of her dreams, as it were. And uh, then I didn't hear from her for a few months. And I'm like, well, that's good. You know, she's with him, and they're doing their thing. That's cool, and right. that's all good, whatever. Um, and prior to that, you know, when I had seen her, she, was, she seemed very depressed and down, you know, black, didn't wear makeup, just kind of just unhappy, you know. And then I didn't see her for all these months. And, you know, myself was kind of in a dark place. And she called me up one time and said, hey, we want to go. Oh, yeah, sure, we'll get together. At this point, how long, how long had she been married? She never did marry. Oh, she never did. You know. Okay. Uh, so, in which case, we got together. So this is around 2003, I would say. Okay, so now I've been at Progressive six years. And um, and when I, when I saw her, she was much different, very upbeat, and had a nice smile that almost you couldn't take off of her face and all this. And, really? And... And so I, I noticed a big change. And so I had to, I had to, so first off, I was sort of like, what? well, you know what? Last time I saw you, you were with your, your this boyfriend of your dreams and you guys were into to chasing after ghosts and different things like that. And, and, and what happened in this and that? And she's like, well, she's like, well, we broke up. You know, we were into that whole ghost hunting, chasing thing and going mm. to seek these L things literally, out. Literally, literally. Like go to a haunted house okay. kind of okay. thing. Not okay. like the ones, can, like a, a place that you think that they has ghosts in it. You know, right, like right. this TV shows that are dedicated to this for stuff. Ki for kicks. For kicks and just the entertainment or whatever interest of it. Right. So she said that we, we went to one house and I could feel hands choking me, even though there was nothing that could be seen. And that's when I knew that this was for real. And we ended up breaking up oh. and all this. And, you know, I didn't know where to go. But she said, but thanks, thanks, thanks. Thankfully, my boss introduced me to my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. <laughs> and I was kind of like, okay, well, that's kind of neat. Yeah, but okay, great, thanks. But <laughs> you I, weren't uh, buying it. No, no, I'm not. But, no, but, no, but no. wait a minute now. Let's go back because I'm intrigued. Sure, yeah. That when you saw her or spent what a minute two minutes you knew something something has gone on oh, yeah. and then i don't want to put words into your mouth but i'm going to ask you this was she joyful absolutely ah there it is yes ah okay yes okay she had something that i did not have and you thought that's something that yes. am i correct that's something that i oh, yeah. would want to have there was there was definitely something there and again you know so then we you know, well, we'll see you later. Okay, kind of thing. Right. And then we got to, we're back to getting together periodically. And every time, same thing. She's joyful. She's up, uplifting. And she has a Bible in her hand, and she would invite me to her church to come and worship with them. What denomination? Assemblies of God. Assemblies of God. Okay. Mm -hmm. Right? So, you know, and I would always say no. But she would keep every time the same kind of thing. This joyful woman that I know, you know, with, with positive thoughts and things, she'd share some different things. 
and, 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 and pose the invitation to come to this church. What, what if she had invited you, answer this if you can. Sure, yeah. To a Catholic mass ceremony, anything, Catholic church. She was Assemblies of God, but because you were Catholic, I don't know. What, what do you I, think your reaction would have been to that? I don't know if it would have mattered at that point. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Of, I was kind of off the whole like, God religion. Turn, turn the kind channel. Of thing. Yeah, yeah. Turn the channel. Yeah, yeah. I don't and mean, I didn't really know her church for any other church, you know, right, per right. se. I, you right, know, right. but the thing is, and this is the thing to really is important: persistence. She didn't give up. She wasn't discouraged, and she didn't say, "Well, I'm not going to ask anymore." No, she kept asking, and here's the fact of it. Eventually, right, because each encounter, you know, this person's joy-filled. She's uplifted. I've, I've seen a profound change within her. And she says it's for her because of her personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You know, and you begin, it starts to begin to kind of mill around. So eventually, the one time we got together and she says, look, you know, it's Easter. You've got to go to church. And I said, okay, fine. Ah. Yes. I finally to said, a, to an and this, assembly she must have asked me seven, eight times, you know, but I said, yes. And she's like, I will come and I will pick you up. Be ready at 730 no excuses. No excuses. and this and that. And, and, and in saying yes, there was all of a sudden like this little like flutter, something going on within my soul. I don't know. In my being that was sort of like, you know, uh, positive. You were, you were was, excited. There was, there was something there. I can't put my finger on it, but there was just this, this feeling of kind of, and you're, I've, made, you're, I've made the decision. I've committed. You're Catholic, though. And I'm going to do it. But you're Catholic. Yes. yes I mean, I you am. were baptized. Yes. We can say yes, that. Yes, but not You weren't practicing. practicing. No. Okay. No, not okay. Point. Okay. So that evening, and this is where I was at with things, folks. You know, I'm on a Saturday evening. I got nobody. I'm not doing anything. Kind of pathetic when you think about it. I had my little hobbies that I would do. And, it, you know, because the bar scene would get kind of boring and, and that. So I'm just at home alone. And I like to watch uh, public television. <laughs> I hate commercials, which is bizarre because my, my, I, I studied in school video production and TV stuff. <laughs> you, you know. But anyway, so I'd watch PBS. So guess what movie they had on that, that, that evening? Ben-Hur. Uh, it's been a long time since I've seen it. It's ben a classic Hur. by, you know, the, Charl- not, there's Charlton been a remake Heston. of it more recently, but this was the original 50s. 1950s with Charleston Heston in the Charlton lead Heston, role. Right. And, and particularly, so I was like, you know, all that I knew was that this movie had some, a chariot race scene in it that you have to watch. It's one of the biggest that's cinematography, the re- that's the only thing I remember. great things. And because I'd never seen the movie before. I, you know, I knew Charleston Heston from the Ten Commandments because that's, you know, on the, sure. you'd see that on the television once a year, you know, they would show the, the old <laughs> film. So, like, I'm going to watch this movie, A, because, you know, it has no commercials, you know, and I like watching classic films, which is all true. I, I, and I did not know the, the film story, so I don't want to give the whole story away, but the basic thing is this guy, it's set in the time of Jesus, okay, uh, in, in the Roman Empire, and this guy, Ben-Hur, is a, is a fellow who uh, is a Roman citizen, and uh, this fellow double crosses him. Is, is he a centurion or something? Something of that nature. Okay, yeah, I can't remember. Really. And some guy basically conde- condemned. I, I might have the story wrong, but you could, you know. <laughs> but he gets basically. I, mean, I got to go watch it now. Actually, he basically, uh, you know, this guy kind of betrays him, and now Ben Hur is like arrested and and thrown in jail. Okay, and stuff. And so Ben Hur wants to 
get back at this guy. His whole thing is, I want revenge. I want to write what this guy did. He destroyed me. He got rid of my family. He, he destroyed everything that I have. And so this guy, Benner, is like, he, he's shipwrecked, you know, and trying to escape, and he's working in salt mines and all these things. And as he's getting through his adventures, trying to make his way back to Rome to get this guy, there's people coming up to him saying, have you seen the master? And these are all allusions to Christ. He's like, I don't got time for that. You know, so, so that the, the whole thing goes. Eventually, then he finds out that his family are not dead. They're alive. But they're lepers. Oh. But then he, later on, he finds out that they're cured of leprosy. And they're like, this guy cured us. Jesus. Okay? All this stuff. And he's like, I don't got time for that. I got to go get this guy and make him pay for what he did. They're like, no, forget it. Go, you know, meet Jesus. He's, so he, he even he even but her encounters like Christ carrying the cross up to Calvary and stuff. And he's, I, I think if he gives him, he goes to give him a cup of water or something, but he's still kind of like, you know, about what he wants to do, what he wants to do. Right. That, that, and I'm that totally was, relating. That, to that this was guy. you. That was me. That was totally. you. Bingo. I was totally relating to this guy's story. <laughs> and a lot of us. Yeah. So I won't give away the ending, you. but I'll just tell you, you know, it's worth seeing the film, but the film ended. The ending's amazing and powerful. And I just sat there as the credits rolled. And, of course, I'm a good guy because I know that, you know, if you're a true artist and appreciate that, you w watch and read the names of all the people who have made the production. Yes. And uh, as I'm sitting there, though, I'd mention how there's kind of like a flutter within my soul, within myself, when I said yes to my friend inviting me to go to Easter service the next morning. That same thing happened there. So, anyway, the next morning... So there's a, there's a pattern. My friend arrives on time, right? So she kept her commitment. I get in her car. We go to this, this church, which happened to be set up in my, uh, my uh, the, the school uh, gymnasium. They hadn't even built their own church yet because assemblies of God, when they get to a certain size, they pick a certain group of people, bless them, and they go to start another church. That's how they do things. And they until they, they can build that church, they'll rent out like halls and stuff. So they'd rented out my old middle school gym. <laughs> so here I am going to my old middle school gym, which evoked different memories and things of that nature. But all I can tell you, going in there, going to the gymnasium, chairs are all set up. They had the worship band there playing, these very beautiful anointed worship songs and people with their hands raised up, right, mm -hmm. and evoking the spirit. Oh, I don't want to do that. <laughs> all right, so... Um, <laughs> Then uh, somewhere in the midst of this, of this service, the Holy Spirit just dumped all over me. To totally. Now, logic, logic, would totally. Say, logic would say yeah. that you, you were moved even before you went to the Assembly yeah, of God event. Yeah. And then when you're there, you felt the Holy Spirit. Oh, yes. And yet today, you are a Catholic priest. You're not an Assembly of no. God no, no. guy. Hell yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Uh-huh, yep. that, That's quite the journey. God will use whatever means he, necessary to get you where he <laughs> wants you to be. And if you're way out, he might have to do a couple things to get you and there. he goes into other denominations. Whatever, right? Obviously. So this is the thing. But in the moment, somewhere in the midst of that service... I don't remember if it, it, it could have been when we were singing the worship songs or the message, but there was a moment, and it's a signal grace, a particular grace that God gave to me, and probably and nobody else, and it was what I needed in the moment, where I knew beyond the shadow of a doubt that God was for real, really existed. 
okay, and as God the Father, and that I was a son in his son, that this was reality, like I knew it at a level that's beyond the mind did, and feelings. Did, did you at that juncture correlate to the joy of your oh, friend? That, that was feeling it. Yeah, that's what it was like, it, man. Now I'm beginning to understand. Right. And, and let, me, let me, I don't, I don't want to derail you. No, but but I can't help but think about the popular film, The Chosen. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. Mm -hmm. Mary Magdalene, and if you haven't seen it, anybody... Recommended. Please do. I know a lot of people that haven't seen it. And I just say, no, no, just, just watch it. But Mary Magdalene, the transformation, is that. Is that. Yeah. It's the same thing. So her it's transformation that was circa 2,000 years ago, and yours in Mayfield Heights, Ohio, or whatever it was, um, it's the same thing. It can happen. It, it, 2,000 you know, years apart. You know, with St. Paul even, right? Well, profound, was, right? That from, was dramatic. From killing and, and persecuting Christians to a profound right. thing. Mary that was Magdalene dramatic. as well. But myself, yes. I mean, not that there wasn't some movements there at the beginning, but uh, I have to point to the encounter of Easter of, of 2003 as being a, a particularly graced moment and movement of the Spirit. And yeah. I, my, I was where I was prepared and open and received, and God gave. And then from that point on, I was coming, going there regularly every Sunday, right? Raising my hands in the worship. To the assembly of God. To the assemblies of God. Every Sunday. Getting to know the people. Every Sunday. And going there <laughs> midweek because they, this, they were, wow, you know, they would introduce you to people and say, we have a small group that meets on Wednesday near where you work at, and we're studying a book called The Purpose Driven Life. Would you be interested in that? And I was like, yes, I would be interested in that. It's Pastor Rick Warren from Saddleback uh, Church that's, in California. That's where I heard it. Yeah, it, I, was I, a, it was a new book at that time yep. that had come out, and they were doing a study of it, you know, mm -hmm. this couple from the church and mm -hmm. other people. So I, I went along and uh, started attending that, and, you know, we get to know these people, and these were folks that took their faith uh, very seriously, mm -hmm. right? So I was all about that, and, and they gave me a copy of the New Testament. I'm reading the Bible. I found they had a little card. Read the Bible in a year. I'm like, Wow. Really? Let's see if I can do that. And you just check off every day, and I start doing it. And as I'm reading the Word of God, it's like coming alive to me in a way that it never had before. And connections and things made sense. And I was like, this is amazing. And I, and I, was, it was, I, was, I was hungering for it, and more and more. Right. It was just incredible, really. Right. You know, so that, that was now fully committed. The thing that was beautiful also, again, it's the church is being set up. So they would bring in trailers, set up the church, and tear it down. So, I, you know, I like that kind of stuff. So I was involved in all that. And very happy and content in that. How long did this go on? So it must have been around, uh, golly, must have been June or July. Uh, a friend of mine noticed that I was a changed man. I was kind of like my friend now, you know, talking about Jesus and how he's wonderful and having a Bible in my hand. And my, my, my friend. Uh, who's my friend Kevin, right? Kevin, he says to me, who, he says who we to know, me, yes. who we know, right? He said to me, hey, well, what's going on with you? <laughs> you know, you seem really kind of <laughs> different, right? Because as I said, I was very just into things and working and not very happy to now I'm very joy-filled and, and content and, and feel, you know, a purpose and plan in my life. And Rick Warren, our study of his book is very good in helping to understand, you know, that, you know, uh, uh, 
the purpose-driven life when the purpose is God and, and about what he desires for you, it's going to be a great life. So I was getting all that. So he said, you know, uh, so I kind of explained that, you know, Jesus is my Lord and Savior and I've accepted in my life and that. And he said, well, well, that's good. Okay. Well, it, have you ever thought about going on a retreat? And I'm like, no, but if it's did, about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, did you know what did you up. know what he was refer, did, did you know what a retreat was at I, that time? I did not know what a retreat was. Yeah. Now, this is weird because I think normally if you go through RCA, I think you usually have to do a retreat. I don't know, maybe they don't. I know confirmation usually do, but I've never done a retreat, but I, you know, I, I was and he said it's Catholic. I said it's cool. He said it's called mm -hmm. Teens Encounter Christ. And I'm like, uh, wait, stop. Okay. I'm not a teenager. Right. At this point, I'm. It just happens to be, you know, 32 going on 33. You know, and he said that. Don't worry about that. They got, you know, yes, it's, it's teens are, but also young adults and adults. So I was like, okay, I'll go. And he, it's Catholic. That's okay, fine, whatever. It, that did, again, because I'm I'm seeking our Lord. It didn't. Wow. I didn't have a thing, a beef with this way or the other. <laughs> In the assembly to God, they would often recite the Nicene Creed. It's like you know. So anyway. Really. Anyway. So I committed to the thing, signed up, and uh, got off work because it's a, it was a three-day event, a Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Went on that retreat, and I'm thinking, you know, this will be good. It'll help me to grow in my faith, and I'll meet some other believers and stuff. And uh, again, God, in the moment of this retreat, really rocked my world in a new, powerful way. During uh, the retreat, there's an opportunity in the midst of it. Uh, I don't want to give away all the details, but it's a great retreat, to have your go to confession. And I felt I need to do that. Because it had been a while, I'm it guessing. It had been a while. It had been a long time. And and let me tell you, you know, there was doozies that I was carrying, right? Some some sins that were that needed to be confessed. And uh, I I confessed them all. And it was one of these confessions where literally after the absolution was given, I could feel the weight like lifted off my shoulders. I was like floating out of the out of the room where we had the confession. It was so beautiful. So beautiful. And also in the midst of the weekend, there was praise and worship uh, in the midst of Eucharistic adoration. And a lot of the songs they're playing were ones I heard at the Assembly of God. So very lively, anointed oh, songs. Okay. And you could raise your hand and you could speak your love of God out loud. But, of course, the difference being the Eucharist is there. And in the experience, like I really sensed God saying, this is where you belong. And I just felt that that belonging that I had forgotten about. I felt that belonging when I was first baptized, when I joined the Catholic you did. faith. I felt part of a family and, and complete and whole, but, but I'd but forgotten. You know? may, maybe, and, and I think a lot of people can relate, that, okay, you, you, you have a taste of the faith. You know, bat, you did baptism yes. and confirmation right. and the Eucharist right. all in one, one fell swoop. And cool, that's nice. Yeah, But I, I think you, you wanted it, you wanted your cake and eat it too. You wanted, you wanted that, but what you wanted more was the world. Yeah, true. Wealth, pleasure, power, honor. Right. And you, you there's no, you can't do both. Am I right? There it is. Yeah. You you're can't. Right. Nope. Right. And and you you were doing both for a long time. And again, I was doing the song of, you know, singing the song of the people that are all in hell. Right. I did it my way. <laughs> Love that. Yeah. <laughs> Because if you do things your way without consulting God at all, it's not going to get you really, you're never going to be really happy. You're not going to have that deep abiding joy, exactly. that peace, 
that is think exactly. that belongs to the eternal that belongs to heaven right and the good things so i'm going to ask you to fast forward just a little bit oh sure absolutely. in our in our remaining five minutes or so um what got you to the mercedarians i mean what yeah why not be your average diocesan priest i mean what is it about the mercedarians what tell us about that well for me and uh again trying to keep it short in that you know there's obviously a call to the priesthood which is one thing but then also the call to the, the religious life which can be a different thing uh, i wanted to be very again i especially after my encounters assembly of god and then once i made my teens encounter christ experience i was all on board for god and i wanted to be all in in every way possible you know uh very zealous i guess we might say mm-hmm. and so even i brought that to approaching becoming a priest or, or how I lived my life, you know, and uh, God kind of invited me to considering the possibility of a consecrated religious life where I could vow myself poverty, chastity, and obedience. Cause I'd realized I tried to make the things of the world, you know, be all this stuff. And I found it wasn't getting me where I wanted to go, you know? So to renounce things, even good things, uh, seemed very attractive to me. And, and then within that, you know, you could be also a, a priest, so a religious order priest. So I'd met a Mercedarian friar uh, who was extremely on fire, on fire. I'll give an example. So there was a group that I met, apologetics group. We would meet at a, at a parish, and one of the regular attendees uh, brought along a priest, and he happened to be a Mercedarian priest. And I remember our topic that evening was the Mass. We would take a topic on of the faith and, and try to you know, break, it, break it open and really uh, you know, be able to understand it and be able to explain it to others you know and so we let father take the helm of the of the that evening and his he was so good at explaining what the mass this is what the mass is this is what it's not organized you know not like well what do you feel it was none of it, it was like this is what the mass is, is what it's not this is what it does and i was like this guy's amazing we all were very taken by him awesome and our meeting that usually went an hour went like two hours and then at the end of it, it was a school night one of our attendees she had little kids in that, you know, but she was like, Father, would you hear my confession? He's like, absolutely. And I was like, who is this guy? Most priests are like, oh, confession. Oh, uh, uh, oh, so how about Saturday between 3 and 310? How about that? Oh, I got to go. Bye. So that's, I was very that's... taken that, you know, he, he dropped everything to go hear that confession. All right. So then after he came back, I, you know, because I was discerning and thinking about the priesthood at this point when I met him. I said, you know, I'm thinking about being a priest. And I remember he just looked at me, just stared at me, had these eyes kind of like st- stole, you know, st- stared down into my soul, right? And he says, how serious are you about being a priest? Are you willing to lay down your life for your brothers and sisters in Christ? And that just, I was like, like almost took the, the wind out of my lungs, you know? You know, if God's really calling me, I want to be all in and all for him. Love of God and love of my neighbor. Not just go through the motions or half do it. And so, you know, when I discovered and you know, that he was a Mercedarian friar and we're an order that's literally in our original thing, we would literally be willing to exchange ourselves for the life of another person so they could be set free from their captivity or their slavery. And our, our order still takes this fourth vow, in addition to the poverty, chastity, and obedience, this blood or redemptive vow to be willing to do that, to be all in for others, for God and for others. Mm-hmm. So that's, that was like a win-win. And then I love the Blessed Mary. I was already, I started praying the rosary daily. This order is a Marian order. Huh. Sold. Ding. You know. <laughs> 
So it, these were all aspects that just, it was custom fit for me, really. And, and you now have a, a, a specific role oh, yes. for the order. Tell us about that. So I should say we'll, that. Yeah, so yeah. I, I thank God, you know, uh, it was ordained in 2015 on the Assumption. It was beautiful. First assignment was down to Florida for three years as a parochial vicar of a parish, Sacred Heart, in Pinellas Park. And then in 2018, my current role was assigned to me for me to move to Cleveland, Ohio, and to become the vocation director for the United States of America. Which sounds impressive. It, it sounds does. impressive. It does. And it's and, important work. And, and, I, and I think your personality fits that quite, quite well. Because again, as I said at the beginning, I think people can, can feel, can see, can understand the, the quiet confidence that you have, which causes people to react or think like you did with your friend many years ago. Hmm, something is going on there. Something's going on there. And I looked at the car he's driving, and I'll bet it's not, he's not joyful because of his car. <laughs> uh, what is it? So, yeah. Um, so, let me ask you this. If you could succinctly, if you were talking to somebody on the street and, and you realized pretty quickly, a young man, okay, uh, that, you know, they're intrigued. Mm -hmm. What, what, give me the elevator pitch is really what I'm asking. Give me the elevator pitch for the Mercedarians. Can you do that? Well, I mean, the elevator pitch would be, again, building upon that one friar. You know, are you willing to lay down your life for your brothers and sisters in Christ? You know, do you want to be faithful to the magisterium and the teaching of the church to help free people from patterns and cycles of sin, to help them, to remove them from them, to accompany, to journey with them, to help them to be all that God is desiring for them in their life, knowing that even that they may be hurt or in a place, you know, that's not desirable, God can heal all of those things. And uh, to be, have a hand in that, to help, especially men 18 to 35, particularly in that age, to, to realize if God was calling them to, to live in this way, to be a band of brothers that work towards this particular effort, um, which often includes prison ministry or hospital chaplaincy or, or being a priest and helping in the parish setting. Yeah. So are you, are you thinking that there's a, a number of 18 to 35-year-olds in this country that are looking for happiness and wealth, pleasure, power, and honor that are getting it? Are you thinking that? I'm thinking, absolutely. <laughs> and they need to be, be calling, right, or texting. <laughs> or, or, or do a web search. Absolutely. Mercedarians, which a lot of people mispronounce, by the way. That's true. Mercedarians. Not mercenaries. No. <laughs> Mercedarians. Mercedarians. Absolutely. So we'll conclude. I want to say thank you. Yeah, you're it's, welcome, It's Sean. always good to be with you. Always a pleasure. I feed off of you. Yeah. I really do. Spiritually, it's, it's great to be with you. So... Uh, Thank you all for being with us. If you watched, send us, uh, drop us a line. Uh, you'll have the email in the video uh, email address. Um, thank you again, and uh, God You're bless. You're welcome. Thank you. Blessings. Thank you. All right.